Welcome to another episode of Scary Mysteries Twisted News, where we get you up to date on some of the strangest things currently happening in the world. This week, we're looking into the traumatic story of a man who infiltrated Sarah Lawrence College and started a lucrative cult. Then, it's on to a murder mystery in Iowa as a couple twists and turns. Get ready for Scary Mysteries Twisted News. Number one. A Nightmare at Sarah Lawrence College In the heart of New York's Westchester County, the prestigious Sarah Lawrence College became the unlikely setting for a disturbing tale of manipulation for several young students who were looking to get an education and just find their place in the world. They were brought into a dark world that many likened to a cult, and it all started by someone they thought they could trust the father of one of their fellow friends and classmates. Lawrence Ray, known by some as just Larry, was born in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn back in 1959. His resume was eclectic and littered with both truths and embellishments. He'd been a stock trader on Wall Street in the 80s, held multiple roles in various sectors, and even proclaimed himself as having worked for the CIA. But beneath these tales was an individual who had a way of being able to insert himself into any situation and ultimately take control. In 2010, upon his release from a prison stint for securities fraud, Ray made a rather unconventional decision. He moved into the dorm room of his daughter Talia over at Sarah Lawrence. She lived with several other students, had a good group of friends, and what began as an act of a seemingly protective and caring father slowly transformed into a decade-long nightmare for Talia's friends and other unsuspecting young adults. Ray worked his way into the house by cleaning up the place and fixing home-cooked meals, and so right away, everyone who lived there liked him. And slowly, though, under the guise of therapy sessions, Ray offered his services to help Talia's roommates with their personal struggles. He began with her best friend, whom was shy and introverted, and by the time he was done, he was now open and happy. Everyone saw this transformation and thought it was amazing, positive, and powerful. So soon they too wanted to talk to the great Ray to learn more about the ways of the world and how to better themselves from a figure who had done so much. But in reality, these sessions were nothing more than an avenue for Ray to wield control over his victims. And ultimately, he would go on to use a range of horrifying tactics like sleep deprivation, psychological and sexual humiliation, threats, and physical violence. Ray's influence didn't just confine itself to the campus either. He then lured several students to move into his Upper East Side apartment further isolating them from their families and friends. He manipulated them and played with their vulnerabilities, even convinced them to admit to crimes they never even committed. The horrors that occurred within the walls of Ray's apartment were concealed for years, and it wasn't until a groundbreaking piece titled The Stolen Kids of Sarah Lawrence appeared on the cover of New York Magazine in April of 2019 that the authorities were alerted to Ray's heinous acts. In 2020, the FBI arrested Ray, and a court trial began in April of 2022. 
After a mere four hours of deliberation, the jury found him guilty on multiple counts, ranging from racketeering and extortion to sex trafficking and forced labor. He would go on to make millions of dollars from these kids off of all the acts he had them doing. Before sentencing Ray, Judge Lewis Lehman remarked on how Ray used his evil genius to control young individuals all for his own sadistic pleasure and profit. Despite prosecutors pushing for a life sentence, the court handed Ray 60 years in prison. Following his sentencing, CBS News revealed that Ray showed no remorse. He lamented about his prison conditions and his health, but remained very silent about the pain he inflicted on so many. His defense cited Ray's own traumatic past as justification for a lesser sentence, but for his victims and their families, no justification would suffice. Now, Ray resides behind prison bars, serving his sentence. While justice has been served, the scars he left on his victims will undoubtedly take much longer to heal. As new stories and documentaries emerge, like Hulu's retelling and the Wondry podcast, Devil in the Dorm, we're reminded of the dangerous line between trust and manipulation, and just how easy it is to slowly get sucked into it all. Number 2. The Unresolved Mystery at Copper Dollar Ranch For decades, the unsolved murders of two young employees at a horse ranch in Iowa kept the community of Newton in a grip of unease. But justice is a relentless pursuer and sometimes it arrives when all hope is lost. Or does it? The morning of March 3rd, 1983 was a typical one down at the Copper Dollar Ranch until the foreman there stumbled upon a horrifying scene. Two of his employees, 20-year-old Stephen Fisher and 17-year-old Melissa Gregory, lay dead, victims of a brutally violent crime. The aftermath was so ghastly that initial reports suggested they had been shot in the head, but upon closer examination, the police realized the two had suffered extreme head trauma. It was so intense that in order to officially identify them, they had to use their dental charts and fingerprints. Over the years, the small community held vigils and remembered the victims and hoped for answers. It was a mystery that burdened many, especially the families of the victims and those in law enforcement as they hit dead end after dead end. Fisher was a mechanic at the ranch and Gregory groomed the horses, but they were more than just colleagues and at the time of their deaths had been in a romantic relationship for about nine months. Added to that was the fact that Stephen was still married to his then-wife Teresa, though they were breaking up. They had a tumultuous relationship, as well as two kids together. Try as they might to make things work, it just wasn't meant to be. The night before the bodies were found, Teresa and her twin brother Timothy admitted to visiting Stephen at his trailer at 11pm, which made them the last known people to see him alive but they claimed that when they left that night, he was alive and well. Given the brutality of the crime and no motive of a robbery, it seemed like it was a murder that was personal. So while Teresa and her brother were on the comp's radar, there simply wasn't enough evidence to do anything. Then in 2013, the TV show Cold Justice came down to the ranch to cover this cold case story for their series. 
and over the course of a few weeks, they began digging through and re-examining the files. And ultimately, they found enough to get the local police back involved. And in 2014, just about on the 31st anniversary of the gruesome discovery, as another candlelit vigil was being set up in remembrance of the two victims, Teresa, who is now 53 years old, was arrested and charged with two counts of first-degree murder for the deaths of her estranged husband and his girlfriend. Lisa Gregory, Melissa's sister, expressed the complicated feelings many were experiencing. There was relief at the prospect of justice being served, but there was also sadness for the families now mourning the arrest of a loved one. There's what's called forgiveness, and I've done that, Lisa said, and we're glad justice could be done. On the other hand, there are now other families that are in mourning as well. Teresa's two children, who had lost their father to a violent crime, were now facing the possibility that their mother was the perpetrator. She was brought to trial where the prosecution presented all the facts and the motive. The defense argued that everyone was in the courtroom because an entertainment company had to make an interesting story. In the end, Teresa was acquitted. Now she's suing the whole town and the courts for causing damage to herself, her family, and their reputation that can never be reversed. Teresa raised that possibility of filing a lawsuit just minutes after jurors acquitted her when she told reporters, I'll get even now. I'm not done. So there you go, guys. Two of the most twisted and strange stories that we have for you today. If you want more creepy true crime podcasts, then you got to check out our other podcast called Everytown, where we do deep dives into the strangest cases that you've never heard of. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We appreciate it very much. I'll see you soon.